It's nice to see you. Does it feel like 10 o'clock no. to you? No. Somebody definitely thinks not. Uh, man, I woke up this morning and it was still dark and I was really confused. And then I was really thankful I had an iPhone uh, because I think I would have forgot. <laughs> it would have been maybe not awkward. I don't know. Maybe it would have been fine. But uh, good morning. Glad you guys are here. It's nice to see you. I realize we've had a lot of new people at Gateway lately. So if you are new or haven't been around for a while or, or uh, haven't been in the series yet, uh, I'm glad you're here. And we've been talking about Joseph. We're going to continue talking about Joseph today. And uh, just to, uh, you know, I don't know, give a little uh, reminder that, you know, kind of up to this point, uh, Joseph has been encouraging. Uh, you know, but there's kind of this unfortunate set of events that he continually finds himself in. Like, for instance, he's like thrown into like this cistern and uh, he ends up as a slave in Egypt and uh, he ends up uh, a prisoner and uh, because he's falsely accused of, of things. And so he's innocent, this, this innocent Hebrew prisoner in Egypt and then kind of where we left off most of last time was forgotten for two years. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and the whole time we see that God is with him. We see that God is working through him. We see that wherever he is, he's kind of uh, elevated to, uh, to be a leader because he is a servant and he's faithful. And, uh, and so Joseph is just, he's an inspiring guy. So, uh, so I know that's no you know, news to, to you guys. I know a lot of us have talked about like feeling like you know, we're in the meantime in our lives in some ways. And there's some unfair things that we need to be faithful in. But today, all of that changes for Joseph. And today, Joseph is no longer this like uh, kind of sad underdog and not that he was before, but his circumstances just change so much. And today, uh, what we find is that Joseph is at the top. And, uh, and, and when Joseph is at the top, we find that uh, he is completely faithful. And I think we have a lot that we can really identify with, with Joseph um, at the top. Uh, something I read really early on really challenged me, and it really kind of shaped uh, so much of uh, how I feel like I've interacted with this passage the last few weeks. Uh, and, and, and it was just simply this, that, you know, when, you're, when your life is in a pit, uh, when, when you're on the bottom of your circumstances, and maybe some of you have felt that way before, where like things are like out of they're out of your, your hands. Like I remember, man, having to get a biopsy some years back and it was like terrifying and I didn't like it. Uh, but there was kind of this nice thing too that it was, it was out of my hands, right? We'd done all we could do and the next part was just to wait. But it's easy to look up because we know someone who can do something about it. Amen? We know somebody who has power. We know somebody who has a will for our lives. And so... Um, so when we're in those pit moments and we, we know the Lord, it's easy to look up. And everyone knows that when your faith, uh, that when you're uh, dealing with hard circumstances, your faith is being tested. The, the real question uh, to me this week has been, what about when you're not that way? What about when you're on the top? Uh, and then where do you look? And we'll see in this passage, Joseph, you know, goes from, uh, you know, not being a free person to being in a chariot, riding out over crowds of people bowing down. His life has changed. And yet we find with Joseph that, that 
Joseph remains faithful to keep his gaze on the Lord. And that informs everything he does. It, per, it informs his perspective. It informs his identity. And it uh, performs, uh, informs what he's doing. And so today, uh, I want to just look through this passage and observe three different ways that Joseph keeps his eyes on God. And, and, and when we do that, I, I think we're going to be motivated to, to really desire to live fruitful lives for the Lord. We want a legacy like Joseph. We want to be faithful. We want to be remembered as people who did what the Lord had us do when he had us uh, do it. And so uh, that's how we're going to spend our time this morning. Uh, my prayer is that, you know, you guys will be encouraged and uh, we'll, we'll spend uh, this week, uh, I don't know, encouraged and enthused to kind of live with the, live for the Lord. So let's pray and we'll dive in. Jesus, we are so thankful for the ways that you have served us. Um, you've done what, what we couldn't do. And yeah, Lord, you've lived a perfect life and, and, and died a, a death on, on our behalf. And, and Lord, you've, you've called us a new name. You've given us a new name. And, uh, and, and today is a new day for us. And we're, we're free in you, Lord. And, and so often uh, those are things that, that are um, easy to look past. And, and today, Lord, uh, I pray that you would capture our gaze and that you would fix it on you a little bit. And, and Lord, I know that there's so many different things going on in the room, different circumstances and different trials people are going through. And, and I know some of them are really big. Uh, God, today, this morning, I pray you'd remind us that you're bigger uh, and that, uh, Lord, you are worthy of our attention. And uh, this morning, I just pray that uh, you would just get that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Joseph is at the top. Um, and I was thinking this week a lot about my house lately. So yeah, a lot of you guys know, so I, I have three kids at my house and uh, they're mine, all of them. And, uh, and my wife, I guess. Uh, so Theo, uh, so, so Sophia is at the bottom. She's the youngest and uh, she's 14 or 15 months old. And uh, she's, she's at the stage where she just climbs everything like super fast, like, oh good, she's like peacefully in the corner and you turn this way and you turn back and you're like, how did you get up there? Uh, and so all the time, and then John Mark, he's gonna be three next month. And so he is, he's hilarious. He chooses his words really carefully and he's like really articulate. And then there's Theo who, uh, he was five and uh, man, that, that kid is amazing. All, all, I, I like my kids, you know, and, uh, but we've, we've sort of been in this battle with our kids for like five years. And, and if you're a young parent, you know, or just any parent, you, you probably know it. And it's like the battle of bedtime. And it's the battle of like, like, you know, kind of winding down and getting everyone to bed and, and kind of hoping that that can be a happy thing. And, uh, you know, all those things. And so we've recently kind of crossed this threshold in my house and that, that threshold is that everybody is asleep by eight o'clock and they're staying asleep. So, uh, <laughs> I know, you know, the, the daylight savings wasn't that big a deal. I'm just saying, you know, uh, and it's just been this really big deal for us. Uh, and, but uh, it's, it's come with uh, an added blessing, which is that every night uh, recently, I don't know, just about every night, Anna and I, it means we have our evenings to ourselves a little bit. And so I can sit on the couch with my wife and we can talk about things. Uh, we can talk about all sorts of different things. And, and what we have found is that, uh, you know, kind of having that time, we end up talking about a lot of the things we're just going through and a lot of the things our world is going through. And there's just a lot of things like a lot of, you know, my house is like a hundred years old, 
like literally 92 years old. And, uh, and so we're kind of getting to the point where we're doing, we're starting to do projects and, uh, you know, figuring out like financing and just all these things. Like I was just, <laughs> I don't know, they're just the most like grown up things I've ever done in my life. And they're, uh, man, they're, they're a little bit scary. And, uh, and, and we talk about our kids a lot and the things that they're going through. And it's like, there's so much to figure out. There's so many things we could worry about. There's so many things that feel a little frightening. But with it, and especially like being in this passage the last few weeks, uh, it's, it's been also, we've been reminded how blessed we are, like, like we have a house to work on and, and our kids are, are healthy and, you know, praise God, they have lots of energy and, you know, and, and there's just so many things to be thankful for. Uh, we, and, and really, I think if we were honest, that would describe a lot of us, uh, that there's a lot to be thankful for, like, like we're in a free country and we got to get up an hour earlier today because we're alive and we got to come here and worship together and sing and our worship band was awesome this morning. And you know, there's just, there's so many things to, to praise God for and to bless God for. James says that every good and perfect gift is from him. And, 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 and so he doesn't always get the credit I think he deserves for just the riches and just the blessings he, he puts over us in our lives. But today, uh, I want to talk more than uh, about just being thankful and, and kind of counting your blessings, uh, because I, and, and that is a good thing. Like we should be thankful and we should count our blessings. There's there's some therapy in there, um, but I want to encourage you to be faithful with the things God has blessed you with, and that's really what we see with Joseph is that he is being really faithful with the things that God has blessed him with, and God has blessed him with a lot of things. We're going to look at those things, and kind of the first way that we can observe in this passage, Joseph being just really faithful with what God has sort of put in his life and kind of the new circumstances that God has put him in is that he is faithful immediately. There's no hesitation. There's no debating. There's no distraction. Uh, he just really sees that the Lord has opened up an opportunity. He's blessed him to be able to do it and he gets to work. And we can actually kind of read that here. Uh, and it says, then the Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And so this stuff is kind of cool. We won't spend a lot of time on it, but the, the signet ring was like, um, and it had some sort of engraving of the Pharaoh. And, and basically what he was wearing on his hand was like the Pharaoh's authority, which I think is pretty cool. Like, like if, if you had like kind of ultimate authority in the country, like on your hand and you could like, you know, have authority. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. And so he had that. Um, he had garments of fine linen. This is kind of a specifically Egyptian concept. It meant he had really nice clothes and that uh, they were, they were of, of probably royalty and not just everybody could have them. And, and so there was something of honor about it. And it's really the same with the gold chain. There's some debate about what exactly it was, but it was something that would have maybe been given by royalty and it would have been uh, sort of something that would honor him. And so we just see, I mean, he's, he's just, he's not in prison anymore, I think is the moral of that story. Uh, and, and he made him ride in his second chariot and they called out before him, bow the knee, uh, thus set him over 
all the lands of Egypt. And again, so the, the second chariot there, you can picture like a processional and there's Pharaoh kind of leading, you know, everybody and everybody's like, yeah. And then Joseph is like in the chariot right behind him. And actually what we see here is he's not just riding in a chariot, but the people are bowing in reverence and they are celebrating Joseph. And, and this is a time that, that Joseph, I think in some ways has known is coming. And so, so we sort of see it, it happens. So, so Joseph is blessed. Joseph's situation has changed. And I think, uh, oh, there's, there's more. Huh, don't, don't worry, there's more. Uh, moreover, uh, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one should lift up a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So we sort of see God has blessed Pharaoh. And I think it's worth just pointing out for a moment how powerful God is. And how, you know, there are some really powerful people in the world even today. And God is still more powerful. And God has the power and he has the authority to change things like that really fast. And we see that with Joseph, that, that here's this uh, kingdom of Egypt and, and God has changed things. God is changing things. And there's kind of one man that's kind of put in the crux of this really big job to, to gather up food for this coming famine that's coming. So Joseph puts him in charge over all Egypt. We live in a time today where um, uh, th there's a lot of thought about how to deal with powerful people, uh, powerful situations. And, and I think it's good just to remind ourselves sometimes that we know the King of Kings and he has all power and all authority and he listens to us. We, we can go to him in prayer and we can present our requests with him. He cares for our requests. He cares for us. He cares about the things that are on our hearts. And so uh, if you're discouraged about the things that are going on today, uh, I, I just, that was something that really encouraged me this week that, oh yeah, <laughs> I know the one who can change things in an instant as he see fits as he sees fit. And so, uh, so secondly though, we sort of see how Joseph responds to, to this power. We see how he responds to this blessing. We see how he responds to God so uh, ab abruptly changing his circumstances. And it says this, so Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of the Pharaoh and he went through all the land of Egypt. Now that, to me, it reads a little bit like a tongue twister, twister, see? And, um, and, and it's because actually that, uh, so the word went is in there, I mean, at least three times. And so, so there's kind of something being emphasized here, as you can tell. And it's this idea that Joseph is going out over all Egypt. Why is it emphasizing? Why is the narrator wanting us to really pick up on the fact that, that Joseph is going out over Egypt? And I think there's actually a lot of really good answers. One is that he's not in prison anymore. He has got his freedom because God is powerful. Another one is, is, is and, and some suspect, me included, that, that Joseph maybe has been prepared for this job and that his time in confinement, his time of anticipation has prepared him to kind of go out and tackle this really big job of, of gathering up, um, uh, you know, all, all of this uh, produce and, and putting it in, uh, in big structures and going out over all the land. And, and I think kind of the last thing is just this, that, that Joseph is, is just, it just shows that he's eager to get to work. If you are a, a parent and you ask your child to do something, you know what a beautiful thing it is when they're just eager to do what you ask them to do or when there's an opportunity to do something and, and they're just eager to do that thing, right? It's a different experience when you ask them like four times, 
right? It's a different experience when you're like trying to figure out how to like make a deal and like set a barter thing with your, with your kid. And you're like, just do the thing. And there's something really simple about how Joseph just gets to work. There's something really beautiful in, in the text that they hear about how, how Joseph has this opportunity. He's equipped from God. And so he just goes immediately and gets to work. Uh, in, a, in a day where it's easy to procrastinate, it's easy not to text back, it's easy uh, to avoid things we don't want to do, because uh, I think we do have a lot of control in our lives, um, sometimes more than we should have. Joseph really demonstrates uh, that when the Lord sets things out for him to do and he knows they're from the Lord, it's just a really simple yes. It's just a really immediate, yes, Lord, I'm gonna do what you've put in front of me to do. And so I don't know what that might be for you uh, this week. Maybe it's something as simple as just honoring your spouse this week, or it's, it's something like, you know, there's a gospel conversation you know needs to be had, and for whatever reason, you're dragging your feet on it, or, you know, whatever it might be. But I do know that, uh, man, Joseph, one of the reasons he's so uh, inspiring is because he just knows how to serve, and he just does it. And uh, I don't know, we just live in a, a day and age where, when people's answers is like, a, it's a simple yes, and it's a clear yes, and then they follow through and they do what they say they're gonna do. There's just something really beautiful about that. And so uh, Joseph is faithful to God. He's faithful to respond to how God moves in his life immediately. It's really concise, it's really clear. The second thing is that it's internally. It's Joseph uh, isn't just doing the right thing because he should. He's not just doing the right thing uh, to, to do the right little things at the right little times and say the right little things that, that Joseph's heart is really in this. And, uh, and Joseph is a man of deep character, and I think that, that really comes out. Uh, in, in the text quite a bit. And a really fun way to kind of, uh, I think, look at that is just to study the names uh, in the text. And uh, some of the interesting ones that uh, stick out are, uh, so Joseph is blessed with an Egyptian wife. You might remember uh, her name is uh, Asneth, and it means uh, she who belongs to Neith. And Neith was an Egyptian goddess uh, that was worshiped in ancient times. Uh, and her father, of course, was Potiphera, and his name means he who Re Ra uh, has given. He was uh, the ancient Egyptian sun god. And so, uh, so he's not just marrying into any family, uh, he's marrying into this family. They're very, uh, they're very successful in the land, they're very important, and their culture runs really deep. Um, and so, uh, for, and so, Potiphar is, he's the priest of On. Uh, so this is interesting. So the city of On, which is also known by the Greek name Heliopolis or Sun City or City of the Sun, uh, it lies about 10 miles northeast of Cairo. And it was the center of worship of the sun god, Ra or Re. Uh, as priest of On, Asenath's father presided over uh, the temple city of Heliopolis and he officiated at all major festivals and he supervised other priests. He was the man, uh, he was really important. Uh, and we see that, that Joseph hasn't just been blessed, um, there's kind of an Egyptian flavor to his blessing here. Uh, he has an Egyptian job. Uh, and, and he's uh, commissioned by an Egyptian king. And so, uh, and so you might ask yourself, well, how might he respond to that? How had being a Hebrew worked out for Joseph? How had uh, being f faithful in his family, how had that worked out for, for Joseph? Um, and, you know, the answers may vary, but I think getting into Joseph's head a little bit, it might have for me been a little tempting to say, I'm doing okay in Egypt. 
and, and maybe there's some things about being Egyptian that just work for me. Uh, and that is not at all how Joseph is thinking. That is not at all where Joseph's heart is. His gaze remains on the true and living God. And we see that in what he names his sons. So as we move on, he has two sons were born to Joseph. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget all the hardship of my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made uh, me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So these are kind of cool names. So the first thing to point out is that these are not Egyptian names. Now, Joseph has been married uh, into an Egyptian family. He is given an Egyptian name. He has this very important Egyptian job uh, for what might appear to be an Egyptian cause. And into his marriage, uh, into his family, he names his sons uh, Hebrew names. So they're, all the other names are Egyptian. And, uh, his son's names are Hebrew. Uh, Manasseh just means uh, to forget. And we don't have to wonder what he was forgetting because the text kind of unlocks that. Uh, for he says, God has made me forget all my hardship in my father's house. So this debate about like how much of his father's house did he forget and what exactly did that mean? But I think kind of the first part explains it that he has forgotten his hardship. Isn't it interesting how when we're, we're practicing walking with the Lord and we're stepping out in faith and our gaze is on him and we're trusting him that, isn't it amazing how God works in our heart? And he, he doesn't just work in our circumstances and like work things out like uh, good fortunes for us. He works in our hearts and he changes us from the inside out. It's interesting to me, uh, and, and if you've ever had a child, you know that, you know, holding your, your first baby, there, there is something new about that. It, it really does. It starts kind of a new chapter in your life, and it's, it's pretty immediate. And so uh, Joseph is not carrying his hurts around with him. You know, some people today, they, they, get, they get hurt in different situations, and, and they kind of carry that with them. So in fact, there's kind of a lot in our culture today that sort of glorifies that. How have you been hurt and how have you been oppressed and, 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 and let that identify you. Wear, wear that, you know, uh, wear that on your sleeve. And, but we see with Joseph that as God is moving in his life, as God is making him fruitful in his life, that, that he forgets his hardship. Uh, the name of the second son is Ephraim and, and it just, that Joseph's fruitful. He's successful in his job. He's fruitful in his family. His family is growing uh, and it is, uh, it is kind of a new day. And I think all of, all of these things, they just demonstrate for us that, uh, that Joseph's faith in God has not changed. It has not wavered. Uh, he's not just doing a job on the outside because it's convenient. He's doing a job because God is with him and his focus is on God and God is working on Joseph's heart. The last way I think we can uh, observe Joseph being faithful to God, kind of keeping his gaze on the Lord is the fact that he is faithful to focus on God continually. Joseph gets to work and he really stays the chorus. Um, and so, it says this, uh, so when the famine had spread all over the land, just like God said it would, Joseph opened all the storehouses and he sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the lands of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Joseph to buy grain because uh, the famine was so severe in all the earth. 
So there's a lot going on here, and I think we can kind of look at it in layers. Like on, on the first layer, uh, Joseph has a really important job, and there's a really bad famine. Uh, we see that it hasn't just affected Egypt, but it's affected, uh, you know, kind of the whole world or just the world, kind of the land around it. Uh, just uh, this is a bad famine. There's uh, ancient records of famines doing horrible things to uh, to people groups, and so uh, so so they, they were bad, and, and people would starve. But uh, but we see that God is providing food for people through Joseph. And, and that Joseph kind of has had the, the foreknowledge here and the wisdom from God to go about uh, and, and to sort of complete his task. Uh, we, we also just see that, uh, that there, was a, the, there was a great abundance. And in fact, it says that Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. He lost count of it. That's how fruitful it was. That's how much God was blessing the land. That's how much this time of, of abundance was, that Joseph, as hard as he tried, couldn't count it. That, that verse is also interesting uh, because it kind of beckons back to a promise that, that God had made uh, for the people. So there's kind of like layer one, right? Just the situation, God's working things together. Uh, but there's kind of a deeper layer. And, and that layer is that Joseph is in the family of promise. Uh, they're the remnant, and God is working together the story of redemption, and he has, has chosen Abraham, and he's, he's chosen that line to fulfill his promise. And so God is working things together. Joseph may have forgot some things about his family. He may have forgotten what was behind, but God had not. And God was going to bring that together. And God was going to, uh, he was going to cause uh, the reconciliation that would, that would happen. Uh, we also just sort of see this is how things move uh, forward and progress uh, historically. Like, uh, for instance, like Joseph's, he's kind of the, the point here where, where uh, his, his family ends up in Egypt. And they, they settle there around that land. And, and that's, you know, years and years later, there's a man named Moses ra uh, raised up. And there's kind of a new uh, chapter that begins too. And so we just simply see in the second layer that, that God's moving things together. And that's, that's how it is, isn't it? Like you might have a friend that you've prayed for for years and years and years and years, but uh, sometimes you see how God's been working in that person's heart for years and years, and you see those prayers answered. Or, um, you know, sometimes you see just how the Lord, he sort of orchestrates things together for the good. And they just, I think when we're faithful to do our, our parts, when we're faithful to, to do the work God puts in front of us to do, sometimes bigger things are just working together. And we certainly see that with the famine, that things are progressing. I think the last layer um, that's probably most worth talking about um, is just the fact that Joseph reminds us of somebody else, doesn't he? Uh, the, the way that Joseph descends and, uh, and he goes down and, uh, you know, to, to Egypt, you know, he's in a pit, he's in a prison, he's a slave, but we know somebody who descended lower than Joseph. He descended to the cross and down to the grave. Joseph ascended and he's exalted over all Egypt. He's reigning and kind of ruling over all Egypt. We've seen there's seas of people bowing before him. But Jesus is given, given the name above every name. Uh, his authority is unmatched. Joseph gives people essentially bread or they'll starve. Jesus says that he is the bread of life. And he says that whoever eats of that bread 
doesn't hunger anymore. They don't thirst anymore. Uh, I think we love Joseph so much because it's a little bit of a rags to riches thing that's familiar, but I think more he reminds us of somebody else. And, and, and he gives us uh, some anticipation that there's going to be somebody that's going to come from this line and uh, that they, uh, they're going to serve the world in a really big way. It might remind you of somebody. And so Joseph is faithful continually, but, but what we see is that he's just, he's a part of something much bigger than himself. It's amazing what just saying yes to God uh, accomplishes uh, sometimes when we just have faith to keep moving forward. And speaking of Jesus, that's where Paul says that we should keep our gaze. And we really see that with Joseph, that he keeps his gaze on the Lord. uh, And and we're supposed to do that too. Uh, I can't help in this passage but think about Philippians 2 a little bit. I wanted just to read that together. Um, and, And so... Uh, Paul says, uh, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking uh, the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, uh, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Sorry about my mic. Therefore, God exalted him uh, to the highest place, gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I love that it doesn't just talk about the fact that this is really great that Jesus did this. We're supposed to have the same mindset. We're supposed to follow uh, after Jesus' example. We're supposed to serve the way Jesus served. Why are we so, uh, why, why is Joseph so likable? Because we're supposed to serve like Joseph served. He sets an example. Uh, so I wanted to keep with Bob's kind of pattern of having a big idea uh, at the end here. And so, and I think it's this, that you can simply be faithful by keeping your gaze on Jesus. Uh, there, is, there is just an influence that he has. And uh, the more we're, we're with him and, and the, the more uh, we submit to him and the more he changes us, uh, the more we see and I think um, the, the more uh, things just work together for the good in our lives. Um, so, so Joseph is at the top today. He keeps his gaze on the Lord the whole time. And, uh, and I think what we can observe is that, uh, that we should do the same thing uh, when things are good. When we have freedom, when we have plenty, when we have lots of relationships, we should just keep our eyes on Jesus and be faithful to, to do what he puts in front of us to do, uh, to, to uh, continue to let him and, and, and ask him to change our hearts and, and to sanctify us uh, and, and to continue on uh, in that process. I think it's appropriate uh, to kind of close our time in communion uh, and just sort of having a chance today to do what Joseph did and just to put our gaze on Jesus. So there are, there's, uh, the elements are back there on the table. And if you didn't grab those on the way in, uh, I think some guys are gonna hand them out. Uh, and so you can just raise your hand and uh, they'll, they'll come find you. Uh, 
And if not, you can walk back there. Somehow get the elements. Uh, Because if you're a believer and you know, we want to invite you to do this uh, with us. Sort of thinking about uh, communion and the Lord's Supper uh, and thinking about servanthood. uh, Those go together really well. If if you remember uh, the, the last supper, Remember, the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. Uh, and you remember that, uh, that Jesus has kind of set an example for them of, of what the greatest is like uh, and what it's like to serve. And remember what he does, he goes and, and he grabs a towel and he kneels down and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples, something a, the low servant would do. Uh, and so something they haven't done. And, and so Jesus is going to wash their feet. Remember, he gets to Peter. Peter's like, uh-uh, never. And, um, but Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Uh, Paul kind of sums up uh, the rest of what happens really well. He said, uh, for I've received what I've also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is of the new covenant, or is the new covenant in uh, in my blood. Do this whenever you think of it in remembrance of me. For, whatever you, uh, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to kind of end our time together by just giving us some time to sort of sit and sort of gaze on Jesus a little bit and to, to do this in remembrance of him, to, to remember uh, what he's done in our life, to, to remember the, the price he's paid for us, the price we could never pay for ourselves, uh, to, to remember the promise we have in him, to remember the ways that, that he sets the ultimate example of what servanthood means and, and that following him means that we're servants too. And, and I, I know a lot of us are, um, are really busy, and so it's, it's, it's possible that uh, this week you haven't had time to just sit and just look at Jesus and, and just talk to Jesus and, and, and just think about the things in your life and, and think about where, where Jesus is moving in your life and, and the things he's calling you to. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, so what I want to do is I'll, I'll just pray uh, for communion and uh, just give you guys a second to just kind of sit. Uh, sit before the Lord and just to kind of put your gaze on him. And, uh, and the band's going to come up and, uh, and in a minute or two, they'll, they'll start playing. And, uh, and, uh, but before they do, uh, and as you're ready, take the elements, uh, take the bread, take the cup and remember what Jesus has done. Uh, remember the ways uh, that he served us. Um, and, uh, and then uh, we'll sing. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we, we are thankful for the ways that, that you have served the world. Um, Lord, you've done something no, no one else could do and we cannot do for ourselves. And Jesus, if uh, there's somebody here that, that needs 
to put their faith in you and needs to trust you a little bit for that gift of um, forgiveness, that gift of sacrifice. Somebody uh, who needs to, to give you their life and ask you into their heart, Lord, I just pray that um, you'd help them to have that conversation with you. Um, and Lord Jesus, uh, just as we take communion today, I pray that you would just, um, just stir our hearts and just to put our focus on you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the many ways that you bless us. And above all of them is, is just the joy of knowing you and putting our faith in you. And Lord Jesus, just as, as we celebrate uh, what you've done and as we remember you, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, you would just stir us, Lord, and you'd be glorified. Uh, Lord, just uh, be with us now as we celebrate.